I kind of hate Facebook, frankly. Even though I have a Facebook book, and even though I spend a bunch of money on Facebook advertising, in the first chapter of the book, I say, well, the first thing you do as a Facebook advertiser is delete the Facebook app off your phone because you're a cook in the kitchen. You're not a guy sitting in the dining room feeding food into his face. Like, you got to make this stuff. Back to Business, the podcast show for time-poor entrepreneurs jam-packed with fascinating stories and actionable insights to help you grow and scale your business. Hi, Kurt here. And I'm Di. Welcome to Back to Business. On today's show, we have the pleasure of introducing one of the world's foremost business strategists endorsed by Forbes and Inc. magazine. Author of eight books, including The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords, which has become the best-selling book on internet advertising. This book is credited for helping lay the foundation for what is now a $100 billion pay-per-click industry. His reinvention of the 80-20 Pareto principle is published in Harvard Business Review. And more recently, Perry has founded Evolution 2.0 with a $10 million science research award. Please welcome to the show, Perry Marshall. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, both of you. Thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. You're welcome. So, Perry, just it is a real pleasure having you. Um, I first became aware of Perry Marshall back in 2006, um, being interested in SEO, PPC, internet marketing, etc. And um, your book at the time was was mind blowing. And many of those core principles we still use today. I have to say as well, and are still we valid. Do. And that, that's truthful. One thing that did sort of baffle me, I, I heard you speak uh, one of the seminars. You said that you started off life and you had a business making speakers in <laughs> electronics. So how yeah. did somebody go from that into IT sales and then obviously end up becoming one of the world's greatest internet marketeers? Well, I was incredibly interested in electronics and then I, I fell in love with music. And so I started building stereo equipment and my first real business was uh, when I was in high school, I, I quit my janitor job and I started selling speakers. There was a local newspaper and I would run advertisements in it and I would pick up some clients and, you know, kind of pay my bills. And And so I went into electrical engineering. And, and when I got out of school, I started designing speakers at Jensen, which made, it was the OEM that supplied Honda, Mazda, Chrysler, mm-hmm. And, and different companies, but I got laid off from that job after three years, and my wife was three months pregnant. Oh. And I could have stayed in the acoustics business, but I would have had to move out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do that, so I went into sales instead. <laughs> and so that's like the really short answer. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was forced to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty rough. I mean, well, most people, when they go into sales, it's like not as easy as you thought it would be. No, <laughs> it, yeah. it, 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 it's not. And that's quite interesting. I don't know if I can ask, ask the question because I don't know, in my humble opinion, a salesperson has certain characteristics, right? Uh, and I'm in sales, uh, but there's no way I could do electrical things, which you've, you know, which you, which you do. So how does somebody who's got a brain who can be so intelligent on the electrical side, but then do sales as well, which in my humble opinion is a different mindset. Well, it, it is, but the, the bridge was direct marketing. So I struggled ferociously for quite a while. And you know, I would listen to Zig Ziglar tapes and I was an Amway. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't make Amway work either. Um, and, you know, it, and everybody's talking about relationships and all this kind of stuff, but, but, but there's, okay, an engineer needs there to be a certain logic to whatever you're selling 
or an engineer almost can't do it. Like an engineer yeah. can't just go slap people on the back, tell jokes, look yeah. at your golf trophies and 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 BS. Like it, it feels very disingenuous yeah. to an engineer. But I started I, I well, I stumbled onto Dan Kennedy um, at it was just about the most desperate part of my sales career. And, and I bought his thing and it was like, well, well, you know, your first problem is, is you're, you're trying to be an expert, but you're chasing all these people around. Mm -hmm. Experts don't chase anybody around. Right. Mm -hmm. So the positioning is completely impossible. So, but guess what, you know, you can lead generate, you can advertise, you can position yourself you can put your expertise ahead of you and then they find you um, and use. And then he furthermore, there was this whole okay, like if you if sale when you put sales in print, when you put it on the Web, when you put it in a letter. Mm -hmm. That is a linear logical process. And if you're measuring the response, that's like engineering. True. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, I I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I remember one day I was on a sales call and I, I had probably been studying copywriting for two months at this point. And I'm just kind of getting the idea. Like, so you write a sales letter, you have a headline and yep. an opening paragraph and a promise and then problem, agitate, solve, make a guarantee, make an offer. I kind of, <laughs> and, and, and I, I'm, I'm in a sales presentation. And I was like, oh, you know, if, if you say, the same thing that you would write in a sales letter, like that's what you should be doing in a sales call. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm starting to understand this. And, and, and so I started to attach a logical framework uh, onto all of these nebulous sales ideas, <laughs> right? Like, you know, it's kind of funny, like, when Zig Ziglar says sales is a numbers game, he doesn't mean the same thing an engineer means no, when yeah. it says it's a numbers game. Yeah. Well, fortunately, internet marketing is very, very, very numbers game. Sure. Right. And so, and so after I got through that gauntlet and like things started to work and I started to figure out, so if you put yourself in the right situations, yeah. then you have the right little cookie crumbs leading to you. And yeah. you qualify people properly. Well, this whole thing becomes much easier. And I got to tell you, when I quit that job, I went to this other job and they had a website. And this is in 97, which is, you know, very early in the Internet. Yeah. And we have people searching for stuff and come to our website. These are industrial engineering guys. And it was working and it was like better than therapy. It was Oh my, like I was probably about to have a nervous breakdown the way things were <laughs> going. And, um, and so all of a sudden I, I go to work every day and, well, there's three or four emails in my email box that have come in overnight. Yeah. Somebody wants to know how to use this equipment or something. And then I pop them an email and they replied right back and they actually want to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember the day somebody said, well, do you ever get to Cleveland? And I'm like, I think he's expressing interest in me actually coming to see him. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a go? Yeah, I did. 
But, but you know, it's funny at the time was our company didn't have any budget to send me to Cleveland. So I had, I say, well, I might be able to get there eventually, but, but let's, you know, let's see if we can figure this out right here, right now. And uh, in fact, when I, when I had that job interview, they said, well, let's just suppose that there wasn't any travel budget, which happened to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do? And, and I said, well, I'll figure out how to sell without going to see them. And uh, they told me later that was the answer that got the job. Fantastic. But you, you're right. Yeah, it is quite, quite logical. Now, now that you say it like that, you're right. There is a process and it is quite logical, the whole sales cycle, right? But you've obviously, you know, your tonality and your, you know, you have a personality as well. So you have got some characteristics, which I think are natural for a salesperson. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when I, when I took that first sales job, which ended up kind of being a disaster, I mean, I, I had been in Amway for a few years and I, I knew how to put on a a blue suit and a red tie and a white shirt and smile and shake hands and ask questions and be friendly. I I knew how how to do all that stuff. And, And the guy said, Oh, that Perry, he is a sales guy waiting to happen. But then he waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And I just struggled and struggled. And there was just too many things at that job that weren't quite right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, we were sort of kind of selling commodities. Engineers should never sell commodities. Um, and, and I was terribly positioned. I was a, I didn't know it at the time or didn't know how to express it, but I, I was a knowledge based salesperson. Yeah. Right. Back slapping salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I there was other guys in my office. I was completely mystified as to how it even worked for them. Like, how does Fred go levitate the purchase order out of this purchasing agent's hand? I, I don't even understand how that works. I still don't, frankly. I think engineers tend to be the, the best salespeople anyway in some cases, depending on what you're selling, of course, because they're, they're like the trusted advisor, aren't they, rather than the sleazy sales guy who's just trying to make a well, quick buck. Okay, so that requires you to be in a situation where if they can earn your trust, if, if you can earn their trust, they will actually give you the money. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of situations where they're just using you to get a cheaper quote or or unpaid consultancy i guess we we would call it yeah right and you do all this miserable missionary work for free (laughs) and you're and the credit card balances go up and up and and they all smile at you and shake your hand and pretend like they're your friend and they never buy anything and it's brutal Mm. it is brutal i've lived it man it's i don't ever want to go back to that So, so I think you have a you have another skill as well. So there's the engineering, the sales, but obviously you can write books, right? So, yeah. have you got any tips for our listeners who might be looking to write a book? Because I think you, if you wrote eight, is that right? Yeah. So first of all, you know, if don't write unless you're a writer. Now, what do I mean by that? Mm. I don't mean I don't mean Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but. What I do mean is, um, well, my 80-20 book uh, has a, this test called the Marketing DNA Test. And it is, it's like a Colby test, except it's, it's how do you sell and persuade. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people who are very good at words. And maybe they're face-to-face salespeople, or if they're 
if their brain runs at a little bit of a slower RPM, they're a writer mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. like pose things, right? Like some people's, their, their verbal RPM is so fast that you just, you just throw them in a yeah. hostage negotiation situation and watch <laughs> them go. Yeah. Right. And there, and there's other people, they like words, they like phrases, they, they like meaning, they, they, they sort of cogitate on these things and, and that makes a great writer. And, and the point is, is that you should sell the way that you're wired to sell. Okay. Not the way everybody, not necessarily the way your buddy taught you how to sell or yeah. your boss you should sell, right? So there's hostage negotiators and then there's people that sit in a cave for three months and craft 17 emails and a bunch of sales letters and, and all this other stuff. And then they press send, yeah. right? Like all this stuff starts happening, right? And, and so we created this test because one of the things I realized was my first sales job was to totally ran against my marketing DNA. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, you go, well, give me some tips on writing a book. Well, how about making sure before you even start that you're the kind of person who should write a book in the first place? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. right. And then, and then, and then if you are going to write, you need to write about, think of it like this. If there's a hundred other books on Amazon about that exact thing, what's the point of you writing a book? Mm -hmm. You got to have something unique to say, yeah, exactly. which means either you're saying the same thing to a unique set of people that nobody's ever addressed, or you got, you know, everybody's else addressing the people, but nobody's addressed this particular thing. And, mm -hmm. and probably it means narrowing your topic down to something like really super specific mm -hmm. because the world doesn't need a whole bunch more books just for the sake of having books obviously Valid point. I, I guess is that is that the reason why you chose adwords obviously you must have you gleaned a lot from presumably using it yourself to help market uh products or services but um going but i guess at the time that was pretty cutting edge there wasn't really anybody writing books about adwords or ads as it obviously is now but there was basically one mm. uh and uh, when I, I got invited to speak at a conference and I basically knew that meant, well, you, you're going to kind of need to write a book. And, um, and I, my initial thought, well, somebody already has a book on that. But I, it was actually Matt Fury who, who said to me, he goes, yeah, but you're going to have your own angle on this. Mm -hmm. and, and, when I, and, and when I stopped and thought about it, well, yeah, it was true. So like, for example... Um, so Andrew, the other guy, the other author, I, I kind of forget what background he came from, but I came from a Dan Kennedy, Jay Abraham, Claude Hopkins, hardcore direct response marketing, you know, the old fashioned mail order guys sort of lineage. Yeah. I brought a particular way of thinking about this stuff that was different than other people. Mm. And so like, for example, I think I was the first person to teach people to test book titles on AdWords before, oh, you know, instead, of, yeah. instead wow. of just like pulling something out of the air and yeah. going, well, let's call it that, right? Yeah. Or let's ask <laughs> a couple of our friends. Like, I mean, people didn't think that way back then people didn't think oh i've got this medium where i could test 10 different ads and within three days i'm going to have an answer yeah right and 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 so as i started to put that together it was like oh yeah you have a very definite opinion 
on these various things, right? And AdWords was very new. I mean, most people still didn't understand what it was. Uh, and in fact, most people didn't even quite know what Google was. Like, mm. isn't that that white search engine that doesn't have a bunch of cell phone ads all over the place? Yeah. What did we have at university? Uh, we, we had, had Hotbot, hot Excite, Lycos. Lycos. They Lycos, were the, yeah. back in the day, yeah. I mean, I, right. I started out with Xmosaic, so I'm, I'm kind of old school as well in that sense. But yeah, right. it's... Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a fascinating time in history, and um, I don't know. I, AdWords specifically, or ads now for me, they've just kind of butchered it. It's it's very complicated. I love the simplicity of the early days. Well, you know, this is how industries go. I mean, I I agree with you. I wish. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people like you and I who. Um, you know, man, I wish they would just give us what we want and stop trying to turn this into AI and, and yeah. you know, all that. But, um, you know, they do have their reasons. And also, it's just kind of, if you have a really straightforward game that lots and lots of people want to play, it's almost like you have no choice but to make the game complicated. Mm. Yeah. And so that's what they've done. And it's become a pretty formidable thing. Yeah. So, so with with that in mind, especially like even like now, if somebody was going to you know look at PPC and, and AdWords and, and and buying that traffic, I think there's the fear or the nervousness is that you know it's a bottomless pit, right? It, it you know you can we call it stupidity tax. You know you're going to spend a lot of money with That's Google. Perry's so, phrase, yeah. in fact, yeah, it's borrowed from yourself. Yeah. So so. You can I spend stole all this money and not, and not get anything back, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already, I'm already following you, Perry. Right. So, what would you say now? How, how would you advise people? Because it is so complicated. How do you kind of simplify it down? Well, several things. First of all, um, never ever hire anybody to do it for you if they can't prove to you that they learned on their own dime and they actually turned a profit with it. Yeah, good point. And yeah. that will eliminate about 96% of the people out there mm. immediately. Mm. Okay, uh, Because most people are just doing this on other people's dimes. And there's some about doing it with your own money that learns you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is that if, if, if you are not sufficiently educated to be able to tell whether the person made the money on their own dime by looking at the reporting, then you have no business hiring somebody to do this for you because they'll just blow your money and you won't yeah. know where it went or why it didn't work. Mm. Okay. Um, thirdly, you know, this is one of the most fundamental things in marketing you know, at least mastering some kind of paid traffic platform. You know, it's like, you know, I want to, I want to be in karate, but I just don't feel like learning how to kick. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't be in karate, right? Like this is, you, you need to learn this at some level. Uh, and, and, and the people's refusal to, to learn it is why so many people fail um, and in like a lot of people are trying to outsource all the wrong things, you know, it's hard 
to outsource copywriting. It's hard to outsource Google ads. It's hard to outsource Facebook ads. You know, it's easy to outsource mowing your lawn, cooking dinner, washing clothes, hanging pictures on the wall, fixing cracks in the, in the bathroom, in the bathtub, you know, like that's easy and it's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, And a lot of people, they're doing all this stuff around the house or I don't, you know, taking out their garbage or, or, or whatever, or like, you shouldn't be mowing your lawn. Like get your ass in, in your office and learn Facebook advertising or, you know, like get close to your market where you actually see what people are doing, saying, clicking on, or you can read the tea leaves. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as close as you can get to your market without physically talking to somebody. Yeah, which you should be doing that too. Yeah, and I, and I totally agree. But I guess going a little bit off topic is is how do you change people's mindsets? Because, because I think, and I, and I think you agree, right, Kurt? Is that in the UK people go to you know they go to school, they might go to university, they, and, then, and then they see that's their education, right, Perry? And that is it. I, I don't need to learn anymore. I have done my education. That is it. There's no more learning. Well, I guess you just want to live in the 20th century then. Yeah. It's been 21 years. Um, so I get, you know, bye bye. I mean, so my, my, my favorite professor complained that he, he said, there's a bunch of people at this university that haven't read a single book since they got their PhD. And he was just disgusted by this. Yeah. And now when he said, when he said it, he like, it really got through to me because this guy, you could ask him anything. I mean, he was an English professor, but you could ask him almost anything. And like, he would like, he would tell you some story about, well, you know, the reason that that happened was because of the invention of the horseshoe. And then they would go on to explain, how, you know, the horseshoe completely transformed society. And like, not only this, but in this and this, and you're like, this guy is like probably the most well-read person I've ever met. Yeah. And he was, he was 67 years old and I was 19 and I'm going, I, I'm not sure, but I think if I like read as many books as he did in the next 50 years, by the time I'm 67, I'm going to be like that. Right. Good point. point, It it makes for people who are interesting. They're resourceful. They, they know stuff. Well, like, like just last night, I got into this conversation with my daughter and her business partner who own a cleaning business and it turned into me explaining them how taxes actually work with corporations. Like, because you read all these headlines about how Amazon made, you know, $200 million and didn't pay any taxes. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, it's a lot, you know, they didn't just decide not to pay them. You know, they had like a thousand CPAs figure out like all this stuff. And I started yeah. Well, you know, you have these deductions and you have investments and you have deferred this and that, you know, and, and they're like, oh, and now that they actually own a business, they're like, well, I guess if I was Am, I would Amazon, I would probably do that, too. I'm like, yeah, you know, when like they didn't move into New York City because the taxes were too high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they moved to another city where the taxes weren't so high. Like, of course, yeah, you know, and and. And like, well, they didn't know I knew all this stuff. 
It's like, well, I guess you don't know until you ask. <laughs> you suddenly became cool for yeah, cool to them, right? Well, yeah, yeah. they found it right, and 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 so like, boy, like, like I don't know, where where does even anybody get the idea that once they have a diploma in their hand that they like know everything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know how many PhDs are educated derelicts? You know, like, I mean, there's not a number. It's just a lot. Like, there's a, there's a lot of, like, when a, how do you know when an MBA is losing an argument? Oh, so it sounds not. like a joke. <laughs> he tells you what school he went to. <laughs> oh, okay. He, he Now he brought up Northwestern University. Oh, like, he's about to get his ass kicked. Like, if, if he has to remind you how smart he is, to prove that he's smart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's not smart. He's not smart, yeah. If you're enjoying this content, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified of new and exciting episodes as they are released. I think most entrepreneurs, certainly from um, our journey anyway, we, we slowly, the realisation dawned on us that you know, you've got to you've got to have a broad range of knowledge on a lot of different subjects, and you always got to be constantly reading. If it's not, I hate reading personally, but I'll use Audible or something like I'm looking at Mentorbox, for example, Ty Lopez's business at the moment. Um, mm. You listen to people like Ty, and you think, wow, these guys are really smart, but they're just well, they're well educated, they're well read, they never stop. It's not a kind of a binary thing. You flick the switch and I'm done. It's like no, every day you're learning stuff. And not only that, you invest heavily yeah. in education. And yourself, I mean, the yeah. mindset has to be, do I need to know that? Then I'm going to buy that. Mm, that yeah. literally is the mentality, okay? And, and, okay, lots of times it's a $12 book. Sometimes it's a $1,200 uh, set of Zoom meetings. And sometimes it's a $12,000 mastermind and, like, or you might need some coaching from somebody. I mean, right now I'm working on some stuff with this coach and she charges a thousand bucks an hour and I'm paying it because she's good. Yeah. Mm. And some people are like, I would never pay a thousand bucks an hour. Well, then you'll probably never make a thousand bucks an hour. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all relative. So just to go back to the online advertising, I mean, at that time, did you have any idea how big this whole paid online ad business was going to be? No, in fact, when, when I wrote that book, I kind of had the feeling that this was the flavor of the month and that six months from now, the internet would be on to something completely new. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I, I didn't know that. Um, I, and it was, no, I, I had a glimmer. I, but just a glimmer. I, I, I already had figured out that eBay had network effect. And I didn't have the term network effect. I didn't call it that. But mm. the buyers attract the sellers and the sellers attract the buyers. And I, I had a vague suspicion that some similar dynamic might exist with Google. But it wasn't clear to me how that would work. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I thought, well, I just going to ride this until the next thing comes along. And I didn't who, who would have ever known in 2003 that Google would become the 800 pound gorilla of the entire internet? Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So just to compare with um, other channels, I, I know you've, you've, you've got a book out as well on Facebook advertising. Right. Um, 
how would you i mean just sort of running through say facebook youtube tiktok insta Instagram. how would you compare the different platforms and are there some that you would say are more suitable for particular types of industries or businesses and others that just stay away from i mean what's, what's your view on that well they're all rock paper scissors mm. okay I, 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 they all just have, you know, sometimes rock wins, sometimes paper yeah. wins. Um, it depends entirely on the context. If I was to give some generalization, certainly each platform has its strengths. The strength of Google ads is generally the thing is a big giant lead sled. It's really hard. It's like a freight train. Yeah. It is hard to get going especially at first, and it is rarely instantaneous. But if you can dial it in and get it going, it will just produce and produce and produce mm -hmm. and yeah. produce. You just reminded me, Perry, of another one of your lessons, which is don't don't ever pause the campaign. Just reduce the budget ah! down because it's like yes. the freight chain. You can't get the thing going so again. So many people pause it, though. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's right. like, no. And it resets their data back to yeah, zero. You're going to lose all that provenance and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know, Facebook is really good for instantaneous, but the, the, the problem with Facebook is you, you just have to feed it with more content mm -hmm. and more ads all the time. Otherwise your ads just start fatiguing. Yeah. Well, so that means that a lot of times the easiest place to start is Facebook. And once you start getting your messaging sorted out, mm. you, you probably want to go in the direction of Google and start putting it on a more permanent basis. Yeah. You know, you have things like, well, TikTok just introduced an advertising platform and they're just starting to get that going and it's in its infancy. But it's very clearly if you're selling highly, highly emotional messages to people under age 30, but not necessarily under age 30. You know, it's like, I mean, TikTok is like an emotional fire hose just blasting at you like all the time, right? Kind of frankly drives me crazy. But <laughs> Have you, know, you done I, a TikTok, Perry? Have you actually done a TikTok? I have not put out a TikTok. My my, my son has twelve thousand followers on his wow. theater wow, yeah. review channel. <laughs> okay, and 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 it's and you know he like reviews theater shows in sixty seconds, which yeah. is clever, and it's a niche, and it yeah. probably you, you know um, oh I I have I have some of my colleagues right now are working on a TikTok course, and we'll probably have a little TikTok book out. Um, Brilliant. before too long. Um, so like, I think it's important and, you know, you don't have to like these things for them to work. Like I kind of hate Facebook, frankly. In fact, <laughs> even though I have a Facebook book and even though I spend a bunch of money on Facebook advertising in the first chapter of the book, I say, well, the first thing you do as a Facebook advertiser is delete the Facebook app off your phone and stop like, scrolling all day long yeah. because you're a cook in the kitchen. You're not a guy sitting in the dining room feeding food into his face. Like you got to make this stuff, not yeah. consume. Exactly. Hopefully, I'm saying hopefully your TikTok course or book will convince me that it's not just a load of people sticking their tongue out miming to, to pop songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, my very simplistic uh, view of it. 
Look, there is a lot of that, but look, it, it reminds me a lot of Facebook in 2010. Yeah. It, Facebook um, 11 years ago wasn't all that different other than the fact that the pictures are moving and it's, it's running faster. Mm. But uh, there's a huge amount of engagement on it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a multi-billion dollar platform before long. Yeah. So, um, like, yeah, and, you know, and oh, all of these media, they all have their own idiosyncratic way. And, okay, one thing I, I definitely got to say is nobody is going to be an expert on six of these yeah. ones. Yeah. It's different okay. strategies, isn't it, for each one? It, different it, techniques. Yeah. You can do, you can get good at one or two of them. Mm. You, more, mere mortals cannot get good at running six of these things. Um, there's going to be one or two that's going to be your lead dog. And then the other ones you just like use for retargeting or certain purposes or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you, one person can't master you know, six ad platforms. That, that's a great takeaway. Yeah. And it, yeah. And when I speak into our clients, that's, that's one of the things I say, cause they come like all overwhelmed and you have to break it down, right. And find the one which fits you and your, where you are in your business and your lifestyle. Just quickly, I'm just interested. What's your thoughts on Instagram? It's a very viable medium for a certain kind of an audience and it's owned by Facebook. And um, I have clients that are doing very well on Instagram mm-hmm. and you know, it's, again, it's another rock, paper, scissors, except yeah. I think there's some other kind of rock, paper, scissors got like five things instead of three, you know, it's, it's like that. Mm. I mean, I think Instagram, certainly for us, we've seen that takeover. We, we were never really big Facebook people anyway, no. but Instagram, it's quite good for engagement and, and reach, which, visual, you know, I guess. yeah, and it's visual. So if we're selling obviously visual products or services, it's ideal. So very much so. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So um, just wanted to ask you a little bit about the other books, obviously, because say people know you for the AdWords stuff, but that's kind of oh, not in the past, but you've moved on and done other things, New of course, since. Now. So um, in 2013, you wrote the 80-20 sales and marketing uh, book. Uh, which I also have. Um, could you um, share for listeners, maybe who, who aren't familiar with Pareto principles or the eighty twenty, what you know, what in simple terms, what that's all about? I think eighty twenty is the most important thing you ever learn in business, other than be honest, not screw people. Um, uh, it, it is incredibly powerful. So the the eighty twenty principle says that there is a there is a deep inequality of cause and effect that's literally baked into the universe Mm. and that um, a very small number of causes produce most of the effects and a very large number of causes have almost no effect. Mm -hmm. And uh, so 20% of the causes produce 80% of the effects. And this is true across the board. I mean, this is, uh, where the dirt is on your carpet in your living room and it's which rooms in your house that you use and it's which, which ingredients you use in the kitchen and it's it's in all your spreadsheets and yeah. all of your your returns and your your employees 80 20 applies to all of it mm-hmm. uh, it's astounding that they don't teach this in school except I guess I understand that the purpose of school isn't really necessarily to teach people it's just to kind of 
memorize. It's to get them to practice to learn stuff that might yeah. be useful to them in later. Or, life, right? or or sit in a desk and stare blankly at a chalkboard for eight hours a day because then they're not burning buildings down somewhere. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, the actual purpose, right? But but no, this is it's it's seriously useful, and so. And so this became the backbone of my thinking. It's really how I cracked the code on Google ads. And it, it just became the lens for doing everything because, because most people waste 70, 80, 90% of their time producing very, very little. Like I'll wager that most people made half of their income last year in about five days. Yeah. Days That's which are scattered hmm. around throughout the, you know, while there was that afternoon in April and there was this meeting I went to in July and there was this other thing in September. And that's actually where most of our business came from. And most of the rest was just sawdust and filler. <laughs> well, when you recognize that everything is 80-20, it becomes glaringly obvious that there's a whole bunch of stuff that you're doing that's sawdust. Yeah. And you start focusing all of your time on uh, on just a few things, and then and you eliminate the other stuff, then everything just starts getting more productive. And so there are huge levers, you know, tiny acorns make huge oak trees grow. Mm. And and so, eighty twenty sales and marketing is the book that I wish that I'd had when I was bologna sandwiches and ramen soup and spiraling credit card debt and trying to sell something and I can't figure out how to sell it. Um, it's, and I, I can't overemphasize how much, like it will change the way you see your clients, your employees, your vendors, your product lines, everything. Yeah. And I think I like that you say there's 80 20s within 80 20s. And within 80 20s, it's like a yeah. recursive thing, isn't it, as well? It is. Yeah. It is. That's it. So 20% of what you do produces 80% of your income, and 20% of 20% produces 80% of 80%. Yeah. So you keep, you keep chopping it down. You, you probably made 10% of your income last year in two hours. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. yeah, scary thought. That is a scary mm. thought, and I, th- I think this kind of resonates in in your one of your latest publications, the the detox, declutter, and dominate. What you're saying now, and and I read this all in one go, by the way, and um and you talk about the seven steps and and the and the phrase. Let me just get it right. Finding your gleaming sword at the bottom of the swamp. If you, <laughs> you I can like tell that. She's a convert, right? Yeah. Um, well, I like the back back page because they've got the seven steps there. So can, can you give our, our listeners a quick 80-20, no pun intended, of the of the seven steps? Yes. Yeah, so this is like my 36 manifesto of, um, you know, I guess if you had to take a, a business strategy book to a desert island, like what would it be? And that that's what this book is. Mm. Um, and it, it basically what it says is that Business, succeeding in business is, is not, it's not a bunch of formulas or systems that you go copy out of somebody's manual somewhere. It's really seven riddles and only you can figure them out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And, and so the first step is you need, 
you need a ritual for figuring out the riddles in the first place, which most people don't even have. And I call that renaissance time. You need to start your day the right way, which yeah. is not on your cell phone, not in your email, not watching CNN, but you should you should go find a pleasant environment and sit with your cup of coffee and write and journal and think and plan and pray and meditate or wh whatever your spiritual sure. practices. And this is how you should start your day. And this is actually the foundation of everything. Okay. And then there's a series of riddles that you need to figure out. Mm -hmm. You need to figure out step two, where are the 80, 20 levers in your business? Mm -hmm. step three, Earn $1,000 an hour, one hour a day with 80-20 time. Step four, create an irresistible product that's a joy to use by simplifying. Yeah, I like that one. We really like that oh, one. We really like that one. Yeah. You are going to find some way to make your customer's life, not your life, your customer's yeah. life, simpler. Yeah. It's going to make your life more complicated. It's why you have a job. It's why you have a business. It's running that. Okay? But to the customer... Like, how close to a Google search page can you make solving your customer's problem? Like, think about, well, there's just this thing, and I type anything I want to in English, and they tell me the whole world's information. Like, if that isn't a simplification, I don't know what is, right? Yeah. How can I do that for my customers? Step five, carve out the niche where you're the number one undisputed uh, leader. Well, most people never do this. No. They're like, well, you know... The lady across the street selling mangoes, so I guess I'll sell mangoes too. And then you're just another person selling mangoes. Yep. No. Well, you need to be the person selling kumquats because nobody else sells kumquats. And even though there's not very many people shopping for kumquats, you have zero competition. Yeah. You need to be number one. Like whatever you do, you need to be number one in. And like the first problem you got to solve is what can I be number one that Nobody is number one, even though there's a problem out there. Step six is you need a moat around your castle. Mm. And I don't think we have time to go into what that's about. But like, I think defending a business over the long term is much more interesting and important than being able to start it. Mm -hmm. Like, why start a business you can't defend? Mm -hmm. Why build something? Why build a castle if somebody's just going to come and kill your family and throw you out and move in? Right? Mm -hmm. You need a moat around the castle. And then seven is really a step. It's not, it's not just the cheering on the Sunday. It's a step. Enjoy the freedom to create an event every day. Most people feel guilty uh, when, when they're actually having their most productive time, which is they're creating something or they're reading a book or they're um, having time to think or, um, or, or chasing an inspiration that may not work out. A lot of people feel guilty because they don't look busy. That's so true, you know. Yeah. That is so true. Everybody's conditioned to look busy and not even be busy. Get get a PhD, get a diploma, and just spend the rest of your life looking busy. <laughs> <laughs> I like in, in the book, you, you start the foreword is um, you explain a little bit about how four years ago, you, the business was, you know, let's say spending way too much bloated. and yeah. it was bloated and, and that resonates with us. We've been in exactly the same position. We, we were up to like 70 staff at one point. Um, oh, wow. I think it's fair to say we lost control of what was really going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had no idea of, of the, well, obviously we knew the cost, but we had no idea 
uh, were, they, were these people even being productive? Um, did we need it? And yeah, and, and we've kind of just simplified everything right down now. Completely. And life is a lot better. Um, I think there's a lot of ego in business as well. Pe- people, it's nice to hear actually someone say, you know what, you don't need to be the biggest. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes having a nice quiet life and being highly profitable is is, is the best bet. And enjoy bet, it. Right? And enjoy it, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. Everybody is conditioned to gun the engine as hard as they can, drive the thing as fast as they can, and grow mm-hmm. the thing as big as they can. And what what a lot of people find out the hard way is that as a business grows, there are these plateaus. And some plateaus are really hard to get out of. Yeah. Some plateaus require a complete reinvention and restructuring of the business in yeah. order to get um, to, to the next level. And so what a lot of people do is they just they just redouble their efforts and they just keep trying harder and harder or they do grow the business and the business becomes so complex that they can't even deal with it anymore. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, this kind of happened to me um, a a few years ago. um, I I was right in the next room with the French doors closed. I was on the phone and suddenly my brother, who's the president of my company appears right here in this couch and he's looking at me and I look at him and I'm like, what are you doing here? You live in Nebraska and I'm in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, maybe this isn't good. I don't know. Why did Brian say this was unannounced? And so I get off the phone. Brian, Perry, how you doing? We can talk. You know, it's bad when he says we need to talk, right? <laughs> and... We argued for about eight hours. I think I was like from three o'clock in the afternoon until 11 o'clock at night. Like first we go to one coffee shop, then we go to a restaurant, then we go to a bar and we're talking and basically saying, Perry, we have too many employees. We have too many projects. We have too many products. We we have complexity going every which way. Um, I've been telling you for years um, that we could probably run this company with about five or six employees. And now, like, we got to do something because our cash flow isn't good. And I'm like, no, Brian, see, you don't understand. (laughs) You know, I don't think you realize how brilliant this project really is. And I don't think you understand. Right. And so this goes on and on. And at the, at the end of the day, he didn't really convince me of anything. And he went home and we went on about three more months and then just sort of fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. It, it, you're kind of having this knowing sort of look on your face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we and did very similar. I spent the next probably four months cutting, trimming, subtracting, cutting, yeah. trimming, subtracting, eliminating. This is why this book is called How to Excel by Elimination as a subtitle. Yeah. Uh, Because I finally got it burned into my muscle memory. You know what? Maybe you just want to subtract. Right? That's good advice. Very good advice. And and so the the book opens with that story, Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of a strange way to open up a book about, you know, how to have a more prosperous business is, 
you know, talk about my embarrassing, you know, my Perian diapers, right? I, I think it needs to be said, and it's an inspiration for other people reading it who, you know, are probably too embarrassed to admit, yeah, I've been through exactly the same, or I'm facing that now, but I can't ever admit it because everyone will look at me and, you know, like I'm stupid and I'm a failure. But the reality is that's just part of the course in business yeah. and entrepreneurship. You, you're going to have those times where you need to just go back slightly or revisit some of the, Subtract. it's like three steps forward and maybe one or two back. It's, that's life, right? Right, right. And yeah. look, the thing, once we had done all that cutting, which was very painful and slow and everything else, it was so much easier to run this thing than it had been before. Yeah. And it was less stress. And mm. so uh, really 80-20 starts with what you don't do. Yes, uh, it's 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 the eighty percent that you eliminate, and then it's about you know the five percent that you focus on. Yeah, mm-hmm. true, true. Okay, moving on. I know you you're interested and heavily involved in this evolution two point which is um, obviously I came on your clubhouse and it's uh, how we how we got to speak to the which I'm I'm grateful for. Um, what what's the idea behind evolution two point What's the end game and how how do you think it's going to change the world? Because I know that's your big big thing well, now, isn't it? Well, first of all, let me just, um, you know, I don't know if everybody's going to relate to this or not, but, but here's the thing I think everybody can relate to is the reason I think to be an entrepreneur is so that you can do the things you want to do. Yeah. Some of the things you want to do might be having a company, manufacturing something, providing a service, influencing the world, you know, inventing something and selling it like, and and right. That's great. I think another reason to own a business is to have a lifestyle of pursuing what you think is interesting and fulfilling and fun and meaningful. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that's always been the case. And I, I remember when I was in, in my early 20s, um, I was starting to figure out that a lot of people, um, they're like, oh, I'm going to get out of school and then my life is really going to begin. And then it's going to be really interesting because I'm going to have some money. I'm going to do interesting things. And I was starting to realize, actually, most of those people end up like being some insurance adjuster and uh, work in the stupid job that they hate just so that they can pay the bills and subsist and, and, and exist. Yeah. And like, if I'm 45 years old and that's what I'm doing... I might jump off a bridge because I, I want to discover things. I want to explore things. I'm not even sure what all, but I know I better keep my options open. Right. So that's why I'm an entrepreneur in the first place. And, and that was very true. I, I'm very good. I listened to that inner voice. Okay. So um, I love science. I'm an electrical engineer and um, I became interested uh, for a bunch of reasons in the, okay, so like, where did we come from? Where did life come from? How did, what is the meaning of it all? Um, and I was very, I got really interested in the specific science aspects of it. And, and what I figured out as I went along was that, you know, the standard evolution story that you read in almost every textbook does not make any sense to an engineer. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, I think you guys must be leaving something out. Mm. Like, so 
how, how did I get an eye? Well, you know, there was just millions of years of billiard balls banging around in the universe, and that just kind of automatically produces an eye. Well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> um, there's a lot more going on than that. Um, and, I, and so going back to our clubhouse conversation, let, let's connect this to something really practical. So if, and, and this is something that, that is, this affects everybody. Okay. This isn't just some philosophical religious conversation. Um, so tell me if you can relate to this. Okay. You get a text from your sister-in-law and she goes, or sister, and she goes, uh, can you call me like right now? And you leave your meeting and you, and she goes, um, I've got cancer in my breast and I'm going to see the oncologist next week. And she's freaking out. Right. And then she goes to the oncologist and, and, and she has a meeting with their, you know, their cancer care person and, 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 oh, well, we got a plan for this. And, and she gets on chemotherapy and then, and then two months later that, you know, the tumors have shrunk 75%. We're doing victory laps. And then, Two months later, it's all over the place. And two months after that, she's dead. Hmm. Anybody relate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So what really happened? Well, what happened was she had some cells that got stressed out. And um, a reset button got hit and they woke up forgetting who they were. They they thought they were Susan, but now they're not Susan anymore. They they think they think they're just floating around the ocean somewhere. And then there's all these immune cells and all these other guys showing up looking not very friendly. And and and, and so now these these cells are like, hey man, like we better log her up. We better we better get some guns and knives and um, how about some Molotov cocktails and maybe we need an airplane or a tank or something and let, like, let's get together and let's fight this thing. And pretty soon you got this tumor growing. So what's, what's going on? Those cells are evolving defenses against everything else that's going on. Mm-hmm. And they are evolving in real time and they can evolve in hours, not 12 million years, like, hours in in a month you could go from one species of tumor cell to a thousand especially when you're trying to kill them you attack you know you declare war on a part of your body and the problem is there's no such thing as a chemical that is smarter than a cell yeah okay because chemicals are chemicals and cells are smart yeah okay like they're not they're not you know, air quotes, smart, they're actually smart. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, I think the cancer itself has been missed. It hasn't even been properly defined. It's not a disease of the genes. It's when the cells of your own body start speciating out of control using their evolutionary toolkit. And so the evolution 2.0 is the story is actually quite a long one, but the really probably shortest and most interesting part is that I got pulled into a group of scientists about a year and a half ago who are defining it much more like the way I'm describing to you. And they are working on therapies that 
account for the fact that you're dealing with something that's intelligent. And there's much, much more emphasis on early detection because mm. the, the the sad truth is if if you if you detect cancer early, you you probably you're probably fine. Yeah. If if you don't get to it till stage three or four, you're yeah, not. It's a battle, isn't it? It's a battle you probably can't win unless you're very lucky. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you're frankly not a lot better now than you were in 1930 mm. if you're at stage three or four and, and that's when you catch it. And so, and so yeah, we, we have a whole group that's doing some very interesting things. And I have, a, I have a science research foundation I've created called Science Research 2.0 that is we are funding things that the traditional funding channels won't fund because they're too far, they're too renegade, they're too, and it's all like standard science research. It's not like we're um, rubbing crystals together in yeah, Sedona. Yeah, it's not woohoo stuff. It's, it's along the scientific track still. Yeah. Oh, this is very, very hardcore science. And if, if, yeah. if you read my Evolution 2.0 book, you'll you'll know what I mean. But but this is very interesting. In fact, if if any of this sounds interesting to you, I have a, an Evolution 2.0 podcast, and you can scroll through there. I've got several episodes where I talk to cancer people, and it's really fascinating stuff. And if you go to the Evolution 2.0 website, which is evo2.org, there's links and there's a lot of really interesting rabbit trails you can go down. Brilliant. No, that's great. No, that, that, that's fascinating. I, I think, you know, if we can mention yeah, just can, a little yeah, bit of, of Kurt's story when, when he was di diagnosed with lymphoma, um, fortunately, it was stage one A, so so early doors. I was lucky, very lucky. Yeah, yeah. and 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 if the traditional route, you know, the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy, they they did tell us we're going for cure. So so you know we have positivity, right, Perry? But what we what we try to do, and I think this is, you know, I, I can resonate to what you're saying is, and I'm and I'm only saying what what we did, right? And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Right. Um, we made a decision to go and educate ourselves. Yes, we were going down the traditional route. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't an option. We were going to do that, but we were also going to educate ourselves to give her and our family the best chance. And and the way I saw it is that you're right. Um, your cells, for some reason, will go rogue. And if you haven't got a tip-top immune system at that point in time, you can't fight those rogue cells. Mm -hmm. And then there's a possibility you will get a nasty disease. That's how I took it right so how do i help our immune systems so even again from its simplest term it's looking at the gut and how we um how we digest our foods mm -hmm. and what type of foods do we put in our body now i yeah. thought we were pretty healthy back then but when i actually looked at it and, and, and analyzed it we did eat quite a lot of processed food and we and our, and our diet yes we ate, ate fruit and veg but it wasn't a wide range so it wasn't like, you know, and I'm saying like mushrooms, which, you know, fight antioxidants or, you know, curcumin in, in, a, in a spice or different seeds or lentils. It wasn't varied. And the certain types of foods, the way I read it, would help certain cancers or when you're having certain chemotherapy. So we just took, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that 
there, there wasn't a lot of information given. We had to go it, it and was, find it. Yeah, and, it, it, and it's a shame there's no education out there, even from like a, a child perspective, is you need to look after your immune system. It's not necessarily, you know, don't eat chocolate because you're going to get fat or don't eat chocolate because you're going to get diabetes. No, 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 it's to protect your immune system for any kind of nasty disease which is out there. Yeah. And, and that's just out from a personal experience. I think also, <clears throat> certainly a lot of entrepreneurs, you, you it's interesting clubhouse has made me realize there's a lot of successful people that have had similar situations to myself and i think it's down to stress it's down to lack of sleep it's the hustle it's doing you know all the things that typical entrepreneurs would do because they want to push and grow their business um so you know i've been kind of saying to people look this is all well and good but i can tell you you, you're not invincible you are going to burn yourself out or you are going to get yourself into potentially a spot of bother health-wise if you keep going down this trajectory so i think i think it's just awareness isn't it people just need to know that they're not they're not superheroes um they're vulnerable but it is logical as well like you said on that line you know when you said about the sales and that logical line if you're not getting enough sleep logically how's your body going to repair itself you don't need a a genius to tell you that but that's where the education comes that's just my humble opinion oh yes yes and and also, it's a mindset of being proactive. So one of the things that, like, I would say a, a sort of marketing 201 or 301 is that it's a lot easier to sell cure than prevention. Yes. All right. Okay. And, and I think, like, selling prevention is a job for the grad students, not the undergrads. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if, if you, you sell a company, if you own a company and you're in the health business, uh, you could be a bad marketer and sell um, heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have to be a good marketer to sell exercise five years before you have a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, one's a distress okay. purchase, isn't it? Yeah. Almost. And the other one right. is like, well, I don't really need right. it. Yeah. yeah. So all of so this, you, you have to understand, like, this is how the world is constructed. It's not like a conspiracy. Mm. It is all of the economic incentives tilt heavily in the cure, not the prevention, yeah. whether the cure works or not. Okay, nobody can afford to spend a whole bunch of money trying to convince you to take care of yourself. Yeah. 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 Right? You can go, those damn insurance companies, those damn hospitals. Well, there's no economic incentive for them to make you stop eating pizza and eat kale instead. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to have to come from you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is another version of what you just got done saying. Like, like, like there's a big giant system out there and everybody needs jobs and everybody needs to get fed. And, you know, the hospitals need to be staffed and like all this stuff. Right. Yeah. That may not have anything to do with what you need to do to be healthy. Mm. So it's on you. Yeah. And, you know, I just talked to a British guy, in fact, about three hours ago and he's 80 years old and he doesn't look 80 and he's, he does all this kind of stuff that you talk about and he has almost no inflammation and he has no, he's not on any medications and 
far as I can tell, looks like he's going to good to a hundred. Right. And, and like, it is possible to be healthy and it is possible to live a long life, but you're not going to, if you're just drift along the river with everybody else, uh, you know, and the merry way to oblivion. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I totally agree. So, on, on that note, and, and it, getting back to business, and this is a, a little bit of a random question, uh, Perry. I, I guess you've watched Undercover Billionaire. Am I, have you watched that TV Undercover program? Billionaire? Yeah. yeah. Have you watched I that? have not. I am, I am oh, social this media. Question's a, this question is a clang then, isn't it? Pop culture ignorant. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's not a problem if you haven't, but the premise is it's successful entrepreneurs that are literally dumped with uh, $100 if it's in the US, $100 in the back pocket, a mobile phone and a car. And, but they have the knowledge. And they have their knowledge, of course. If they had to start over again, what oh, would right. they do? So the oh. question to you is what would you do? Well, uh, I, I would, I, I'll try to generalize this so it's useful for anybody. I would, I would take the marketing DNA test and I would first figure out what I'm not, how I'm not going to sell. Right. Okay. Like if you're not a, you know, slap people's backs, shake their hands, you know, tell jokes, (laughs) then find a way to sell that works for you and find a product to sell that harmonizes the way with the way that you sell. Yes. Good advice. First. Yeah. Um, and, and then go look for bleeding necks. So in the 80, 20 book, you know, there's the five power disqualifiers and the first, those five things are always true. Anytime you sell anything to anybody, I'll just cover two of them. The okay. first two, they have the money Yeah, yeah, and they have a bleeding neck. Yeah. Okay. Start there. So you're going to sell in your zone. You're, you're going to sell to people who have, who can't afford weight, which I don't know how long I like beat my head against the wall trying to sell people. I don't know. Maybe I thought Kumbaya long enough would cause money to show. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, they have them and, and like, what's their bleeding neck? Like, like if, if, if you want a job, just go find a boss who has problems and solve the problems for him. Yeah. It's not actually that hard. Like, go ask a restaurant manager, what problems do you have that you can't get rid of? He'll tell you. If you can solve them, you got a job. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Good answer. And just following on from that, best and worst business advice that you've, you've been given in your career? Worst business advice is massive action solves every problem. Not true. Massive action creates problems. Um, it's focused action and the, and the, and the best advice, um, is really master 80, 20. Yeah. If you know, eighty twenty yeah. inside and out, upside and down, you can walk into any company anywhere as a consultant and find a problem that you can fix. That'll generate way more money than it costs to fix. Mm-hmm. So, based on your worst advice, I think it's fair to say you're probably not a 10x Grant Cardone type person. No, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. That's for sophomores. Yeah, that's ridiculous. What's a sophomore? I've not heard of that one. Oh, oh, well, that's that's a well, like in in American high school, it's it's where you're at when you're about 15 years old. 
Right. Oh, okay. Or, or it's your second year of college, you know, like usually in, in university, you're only just starting to learn the real stuff in the second year. You know, Same like the here. first year gets all these things out of the way, and then yeah. you start to take some classes in your major the second year. That's like yeah, that's sophomore yeah. level advice. That that is not uh, it's it's for it's for twenty four year old kids who have energy to burn who don't know what they want to do. Yeah, it's not articulate or energy, refined yeah. in any shape or yeah. form. Yeah, getcha. Okay. And and who inspires you, Perry? And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the business world. Who inspires you? I, I want to say one, one of my biggest inspirations is Isaac Newton. Okay. Because he figured, well, he, he, he discovered gravity and invented calculus. That's not bad. Uh, <laughs> I think he should have done more. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, he did. Yeah. He might not know it all, but, right? But, um, but the thing, uh, I remember coming to realization when I was in university that the reason I asked myself a question. Why did this guy have time to roll balls down inclines and ask why? And the answer I came up with was because he wasn't staring at the ass of a mule in a field somewhere. He came from a rich, uh, a rich family and he used his freedom productively. Mm. He didn't just gamble or smoke or mm -hmm. womanize or whatever. Mm -hmm. He applied, he said, I got time, I got space, I want to work on the hard questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly like, I. that's what I hope that I'm That's doing. what you want to do, I can, yeah, mm -hmm. perfect. Um, do you have any mentors yourself or um, where, you know, how are you keeping up to date with trends in the industry? Are there any kind of go-to resources you use or? Well, I guess I have all kinds of, of mentors, that boy, that's like a, uh, boy, I didn't even know, where, I don't even know where to start. I have so many depending yeah. on what the topic is. So right? you have different mentors for different subject areas in wow. your life, I guess. Oh, totally. And yeah. I have mentors in multiple fields. And look, I, I think now this is a long play. This is not a short term play, but if for the listeners that are willing to like make a long-term investment in their life, I think one of the best things that you can do don't just master one topic or subject or skill master three or four mm. yeah at once yeah and cross pollinate them yeah it's a little bit like the multiple, multiple streams, streams of income yeah. yes yes yeah. it's multiple streams of skill and intellectual endeavor okay mm. so i cannot tell you how much electrical engineering is woven all through my books it's it's concealed and it's camouflaged yeah. and it's not equations, but it's still engineering. Yeah. It's like that sales explanation at the beginning of this call. Yeah, it's in my head that one. Right? Yeah. Okay. And so like don't just like in you like you can do this. Okay. So let's say, I don't know, let's say that you have a company and you build websites for people. Okay, get really good at that. But why not get really good at archery too? And why not get really good at Minecraft too? And why not get really, why not go to neuroscience conferences too? I, I, I agree. I, I, I get it. I haven't looked at it like that before, but I, I get what you're saying. It's the, it's the multiple streams, isn't it? It's a cross-fertilization as well. Yeah, and, and see, 
because something will happen when you, when you get to about you get to a certain level of mastery of maybe probably the fourth thing you will now know how to master anything yeah. and it will start it, it'll start like oh you know I get this client, like copywriters do this all the time. I get this client and there's this industry. I I pretty much figured out that whole industry in two weeks. Yeah. Mm. You can do that. Mm. Mm. You can, you can, you can know more about an entire industry in two weeks than a senior in college who's about to go do that for a living has learned in three years of university. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's 80, 80, 20 again. So on yeah. on that kind of note, what what was what, what have you got a favorite uh, quotation or words of wisdom? Well, um, you, you know, one of my favorite books is the Book of Proverbs in the Bible, and the, what what that book is really about, I would say, is well, it's about wisdom. The the biggest part of wisdom is not making catastrophic uh, moral failures. So, like, if you if you get a bunch of investors and you buy an apartment complex and then the market goes down and everybody loses their money, your buddies will be mad at you for two or three years. Mm-hmm. But if you're in run, people will be mad at you for the rest of your life. Because the moral, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's one thing to make a tactical, strategic mistake, time the market wrong, wrong strategy. It's like, okay, everybody lost their money. But when you knowingly deceive or egotistically like think you're immune or whatever, like people, sometimes people, it's like, I know people who don't who drive everywhere and don't go through airports because they don't want to be seen by their customers. Oh, wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's horrific. Okay. I, I know a marketer who keeps a gun by his front door just in case any of his customers show up. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah. I like to sleep at night. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. That's an extreme yeah. example. But, you know, there's a lot of people who live in – they have about 10% of that anxiety all the time. Mm. Well, you know, the, your first priority is to, is to morally deal rightly with everybody around you. And that, you know, that's a slower road sometimes, but like there's more compound interest in that than just about anything because when everybody in an industry or a little corner of an industry knows who you are and they know you're a totally trustworthy person, mm-hmm. you'll never go hungry. Yeah, bad news travels fast as well, especially in the modern modern age. Mm. Oh, yeah. um, in terms of just general business, what would you say, have you got any tips um, for businesses to increase their profits or grow their profits? Any, I guess it's probably 80-20, isn't it? Apply or, 80, 20 principles. Well, or KPIs they should monitor. Well, let, okay, let's, let's, just, let's just take a, a derivative of 80-20, which is not only do 20%, 80% of your money come from 20% of your stuff, 80% of your problems come from yes, 20%. True. And, and um, most... Most companies are losing money on 10 or 20% of what they sell. 
And all you have to do is stop selling that thing and you instantly have less work to do and make more money. It's subtraction, as you, as you said in the book again, again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. Great answer. Okay. We'll just do the quick fire round. This is very quick. So we're going to ask you two, two, well, I'll give you two options. You just need to pick which one of the the two is the most appropriate. It's um, our quick fire trivia around this or that, as we call it. Um, Go on, Dave. All right. I'll I'll, I'll do the first one. Larry Page or Sergey Brin? I don't even know. Um, uh, uh, let's let's go with Larry. Okay. I, okay. I'll, good I'll, answer. Ferrari or Lamborghini? Ah, uh, Lamborghini. It's okay. less common. Okay. Paid ads or 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 organic search. I've always done better on the paid side. I do not have a knack for the organic side for whatever reason. Mm. Email marketing or cold calling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you like cold that's calling. a whole topic in its own right. I know. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Uh, email f- by far. Yeah. I don't ever want to cold call again for the. Rest <laughs> of the Apple or Android? Uh, I'm an Apple guy. Mm-hmm. Tea or coffee? Tea. Pepsi or Coke? Neither. Um, I Good really answer. don't. Yeah. <laughs> KFC or Burger King is probably going to be neither too, right? Well, I, I I actually like KFC. I'm not I'm not much for Burger King. Yeah. Uh, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Starbucks. Cats or dogs? I'm a cat guy, actually. Yeah, um, me too. We're cats. Yeah, dogs. Uh, beach or pool? Beach for sure, for sure. Hotel or villa? Villa. The Hamptons or Malibu? Hamptons. Summer or winter? Strangely enough, winter. Hmm. Do you like the uh, wind? I do. You know, I go to Western Ireland in December. It's great. <laughs> not not every not everybody's cup of tea. No. <laughs> um, alcohol or a soft drink? Uh, I almost never drink soft drinks. Actually. Oh. oh I thought you were going to well, say, say no alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> I drink a little alcohol, yeah. not too. Yeah, I'd imagine you're a wine person. Um, I like wine. Um, I also a single like, malt type person. I I like um I like good whiskeys and yeah. scotch. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, early bird or night owl. I used to be a night owl, and now I'm an early bird. Interestingly enough, mm. you're not I a five a.m. Well, club person, are you? Um, I usually. This morning I I was up from three to five and I went back to bed and got up at eight. That happens fair amount actually. Mm. So, and the last one, physical audio book. I like physical books. Yeah, me uh, too. I, I like wonder, physical. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I, can tell. I did see that. Yeah, I see eight to twenty sales on the shelf as well. Yeah, you got to get that there. I'm, yeah. I'm proud of that book. Okay, so. Um, I mean, is it fair to say you, you're quite religious as well, Perry? I think you... you yeah, I'm a, I've been very devout Christian. Yeah. Uh, and I've been through a lot of kind of reinventions of, of that department in my life, too. It's, it's never sitting still. Yeah. yeah. I, I think for me, you know, kind of like the, the last question is, is, what does the future hold for Perry? Well, you know, my, one of my lifetime ambitions is to start a new renaissance. I think the, I think 500 years ago is too long. I think mm-hmm. we need another one. Mm-hmm. And I think we can actually have that. We need, 
We need 1% of the world to wake up and be curious. And I think that'll happen. Uh, I think you'd agree. There's a yeah. lot of people sleepwalking through life right yeah. now. You used oh, you, Paul, Paul, Paul Lemberg is coming back in my head. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Formula love five. Paul. Yeah. Love Paul. How, how is he, by the way? I think he lost his wife, didn't he, to cancer a few years back? He, yeah, he lost. Uh, yeah, that was about five years ago. I talked to him a couple months ago. He's doing great. He's a he's a crazy, adventurous guy. So yeah. love him. Brilliant. Okay, Perry. So obviously, thank you for your time. I appreciate you. are a very busy guy. Um, it's been absolutely fascinating chatting to you and a, a bit of a, um, a treat for me personally, if I'm honest. So really appreciate it. Thanks. I, I well, think- thank you. You're, you're a great pair of hosts here you're a great team uh, thank you very, oh thank you can, you guys are probably killer salespeople when you're together <laughs> no, we're pussy cats really. yeah we're yeah, pussy cats yeah. yeah yeah you're killer pussy cats is what you are yeah so. <laughs> I, I think for me what obviously i know you more for the google adwords but you what i've gleaned from this is that you, your wisdom um your perseverance and, and, and the education and the always learning, right? That, that, that's what, you know, that's what's fascinated me, you know, learning from you today is that, is that perseverance and, and, the, and the education and you just don't give up, right? You're always learning and don't deem it as a chore. You just, you just chisel and chisel and chisel. Um, but but, but you, you have to recharge. Like, like I, working 19 hours a day isn't, like, this is not what I'm talking about. But, mm. but you don't stop. Like, no. you... But little little rewards, that's what I started to do, Perry, because you're right, because I was getting a little bit like, why am I doing this? What's the point? And you can give yourselves little rewards, right? You don't, it doesn't have to be, yes. mere, you know, materialistic. Yep. As you yes. said, you could be sat down and having a cup of tea for half an hour, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that reward then makes you go, oh, I know I'm going to go off and do X, Y, and Z. Mm. So it's yep. nice to hear that. It's nice to hear that from somebody like you. you that, that, that for me is what my takeaway. You need to give yourself little rewards. And I think you you need to give yourself permission to, you know, whatever simple pleasures you can afford, whatever level that is, yeah. you need to give yourself permission to do those things. You mm. need to work them in. You need to celebrate stuff. Like my wife and I have tried to get better at celebrating yeah. because, because some of us are so focused on solving problems that we never, hey, you know what? Like that was a big deal. Like, uh, just before COVID hit, I, uh, somebody signed a contract and sent it to me, and it was a big victory. My wife goes, and I said, yeah, you know, when, when, when they write the check, we should celebrate. My wife goes, no, we got the contract. We're going to celebrate yeah. now. And, and um, she didn't even tell me what she was doing. She took me to a restaurant, and all our kids and everybody showed up, and we all had dessert. Oh, wow. It wasn't ridiculously expensive. It wasn't out of line or anything. Yeah. Like, it was just, no, we sell, like, yeah. you got this contract. That was a big deal. We're That's celebrating. Right. Everybody's like, yay, right? Yeah. And 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 you, you got to get that little endorphin rest because yeah. all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Exactly. I'm going to take that yeah. one. So if people want to follow you online, Perry, what's the, what's the best way for them to um, um, follow, not stalk you? On, on the business side go to perrymarshall.com scroll down to the 30-day street mba and sign up if you like the business stuff and if if the science stuff sounds interesting the evolution 2.0 podcast has a bunch of interesting gems in it you can look through the episodes and look for something yeah no i will do your interest brilliant okay again thanks a lot perry you've been truly insightful i've been kurt 
and I've been Di. Thanks for listening. And if you found this useful, be, be sure to subscribe to the Back to Business podcast. Thanks again, Perry. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Back to Business podcast with hosts Kurt Wilson and Di Forster. If you've enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For more information, please visit www.backtobusiness.show. Thank you.